I am really pumped for this. This is going to be great. Uh, if you would, pray with me first, and let's uh, ask God to, to bless this time. Lord God, we need something uh, impossible to happen. We need you to do a miracle, to come to us and to lift up your Son, Jesus, so that we might worship Him in our hearts and obey Him as we walk out. Lord, it's just something that we could never do on our own. I could never say the right thing. Nobody out there could work hard enough to worship you the way you should be and to obey you the way you deserve. But you can do it. Lord, you can do that for us this morning. And we ask that you would. Amen. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, in a faraway village, there was a little girl. And her daddy was putting her down for a nap in the afternoon. And she said, Daddy, why do we have to take a nap every day? My other friends in the other villages, they stop taking naps when they turn three years old. But in our village, everybody takes a nap every day, from the oldest adult to the tiniest baby. Why, do, why are we different like that? And her daddy tucked her in. He said, well, sweetie, do you remember the legends about our old and great king? Which, of course, she did. She'd heard all the legends. Well, he said, there was a time when we didn't take naps because we were afraid. We had so many enemies all around us. And our king went out and waged war for his people. Our king took all of his bravest men and he said, I'm going to give rest to my people. I'm going to defeat all of your enemies. So he went out. And for six long years, our king waged war against all our enemies all around us. And when he came back, he made a speech from his balcony. And he said, My people whom I love, I have given you rest all around you from all your enemies. And then he took a nap. The people thought that he would lead a great parade and have everyone bow down to him and sit on his throne and do kingly things. And he took a nap. For one whole year, the king slept, and the people didn't dare wake him up. When he did wake up, the people were a little upset. They said, King, how, did, how could you sleep for one whole year? And he said, well, did you have any enemies attack you while I was asleep? No. And did you have any reason to fear or be in distress? No, they said, starting to feel a little ashamed. And did you yourselves take naps while I was resting? See, the people started to understand that maybe the rest of the king was for them as well. And that, my dear little girl, is why we all take naps every single day. Because our king won a great rest for us. You see, sweetie, sometimes the best way to trust our king is to take a nap. Let's open up our Bibles to Genesis 2. We're going to do the first three verses. It's on page 2, so easy to find.
Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. Amen. Heaven and earth might pass away, uh, but God's Word will never fail. Let's give our attention to it. So this seventh day of creation is the climax. It's, it's everything that the first six days have been building toward. It's the, the icing on the cake. It's the pyramid topper. And God has made everything. He's made everything you'll ever see. And God rolls up his sleeves for one more day and he, he takes a nap. God rests. He could have made new colors and new universes. He could have had a big parade and had everyone bow down to him. And God rested. He stopped. That's what the word Sabbath actually means is stop or cease. He didn't do any more work. That was God's epic finale to creation was stopping and resting. I want to talk this morning about rest, about God's rest, um, about a rhythm and a pattern of resting from our work, and how because that is a godly thing, because God rests, we His people can rest too. I'm not going to spend really any time on you know, the Old Testament command and how the New Testament command might be different, and which day we're supposed to observe, and if it has to be one specific day, and how strictly we have to keep it. I'm going to talk, hopefully real practically, about how we can bring a rhythm of God's rest into our lives. So let's zoom out a little bit and look at uh, the structure of Genesis 1, the six days of creation that come before Sabbath. The six days are basically in uh, three pairs of days. So days 1 and 3 go together, 2 and 4, uh, and then 3 and 6 go together. And the pattern is God makes, like kind of creates a space... And then in the other days, he creates something to inhabit and fill that space that is suitable for it. So, in the first day, he makes light and darkness. Then on the kind of the companion day, day four, he creates the lights of light and darkness, sun, moon, and stars. So he makes a space, and he makes something suitable to inhabit that space. Uh, day two, he creates the sea and the sky. And then the companion on day five, he makes... The birds for the sea, or the birds for the air, and the fish for the sea. Then on day three, God makes the dry land. And on day six, he makes animals, and then the crowning achievement, humankind, to fill and occupy the land. So you've got these three pairs of days that kind of go together, work together, and they're kind of building you up, like, okay, you know, what's the last one going to be? There's one more day, and it's unlike all the rest. The seventh day doesn't have a pair. It doesn't go along with anything. It really does kind of stand like the top of the pyramid. Uh, Every other day in Genesis, God finishes by saying, there was evening and there was morning, day, you know, whatever. But he doesn't say that. On the Sabbath day, there is no evening and morning. It just kind of goes on infinitely. The seventh day is the only one that God blesses and says is holy. Now, a lot of the other days he says it was good, and then on the sixth day he says it's very good. 
But the Sabbath, he says, is blessed. The Sabbath is special. There's something different about it. And that's really what holy means. I mean, for something to be holy means it's different. It's special. It's not like the rest. That's what the seventh Sabbath day is. It's different and it's good. Now that the whole world has been created, God will enjoy His work. God is willing and able to put His feet up and enjoy the work that He's done. Isn't that amazing? That God rests? Like if anybody is working 24-7, 365, it's God. But He can rest and put His feet up. What does it make you think of when uh, just that image of putting your feet up? It makes me think of being relaxed, for sure. You can't really put your feet up and not be relaxed. Uh, it makes me think of being confident and definitely like satisfied with what you've done. The way I do this is uh, when the lawn needs to be mowed, a week after the lawn needs to be mowed, I actually get around to it. And, you know, trim the hedges, do some weeding. I bought a rotary edger instead of an electric edger, so I have to like... And then I mow the lawn, I'm sweaty, and I'm, I'm really tired, and I love to sit on the rocking chair on my front porch, put my feet up, pop a cold drink, and look at what I've done. Ah, yes. Yes, I have done good work. Come, come everyone and see what I've done. See how great the, the lawn looks now. And that's so appropriate. Like it's so fitting that after the work is done, you sit back, put your feet up, and enjoy it. In one sense, the work wouldn't really be finished if I didn't sit back, put my feet up, and enjoy it. What about when you clean your house? Um, we clean approximately every time somebody's about to come over. <laughs> and, but but that, even that is kind of fitting, right? I mean, the reason you clean is because everything's a wreck and haphazard and dust accumulates, everything's dirty, and you want people to come over and you want them to be able to enjoy themselves, so you clean up. Everyone kind of bands together, you clean, you're making the space comfortable, you're doing the work so that you can have people over and rest. The reason you clean is so you all can be together, put your feet up, enjoy yourselves, goof around. The fitting end to housework is let's hang out and enjoy it. Let's put our feet up. You don't just clean your house and then put your head down and go straight on to the next thing. You should enjoy it for a little while. That's what rest is and that's what God does. What about you guys? Are you, uh, are you able to rest? When you've done something, when you've done good work, Will you let yourself enjoy it? Put your feet up a little bit? Or do you have to go on to the next thing? Because you've got to be doing. You've got to be going. You've got to be producing. I've done that thing. Check it off the list. There's always one more thing on the list. Let's go, let's go. If you feel like you can't rest, put your feet up. Enjoy what's been done. You need to hear Genesis 2 this morning. You need to know that God rests. And you need to believe that at least once a week, it is better to do nothing 
than to do something. That's what the Sabbath is. We need to believe that sometimes the best way to trust our king is to take a nap. So why is that so hard? Like, there's a part of all of us that would love to do that. Like, we would love to just take a break, put our feet up, have a rest. Why is that so hard? We all want to rest, and we all can't seem to actually do it. I think, I think it's because we can't let go of the idea that maybe I can control my own life. I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But I think the reason we can't tend to rest is because the more we're doing, the more we're going, the more we're producing, the more we feel like, okay, yeah, I can, I can handle my own life. I'm in control of things at least a little bit. How do you feel when you do get the chance to rest? When you do actually just get to slow down and stop? I feel guilty. Isn't that weird? The main thing I feel when I stop and rest is guilty. I feel like I should be doing something, right? There's got to be something to be done. It, it can't be right to just sit still and do nothing. I feel anxious. It actually makes me more anxious to be doing nothing than to do, be doing something, which is also weird. And I think it's because as long as I'm going and doing, I, I can kind of keep up this illusion that maybe I'm in control. Maybe I've got my life, you know, pretty much got a handle on it, and I can be in control of my own life. And when you stop, I get anxious because that, that illusion gets shattered, <laughs> that I'm in control, that I can actually do enough to control my own life. That's why it's so hard to, to say no, to say no to even good things, because it feels good to be doing stuff. It feels good to be needed and to be doing everything for everyone all the time. It gives you some sense of, uh, of control over your life. So we feel bad when we do rest. How do you feel when you don't rest? When you just keep plugging along and you know you need a break, but you refuse to take one. I get burned out uh, pretty quickly. And being burned out is just like this feeling of this is never going to end. Just this tremendous weight. I enjoy my work. I, I bet I enjoy my work more than any one of you. But if I don't get to take a break, oh, I have to go do this again. I just get burned out. There's no, there's no enjoyment in it. And then I get really uh, irritable and resentful. If I work too much, I start thinking, you know, people don't see what I'm doing for them. I am not getting the thanks that I deserve. I put blood, sweat, and tears into this, and nobody cares. So then I'm real sleepy, snappy, and resentful and bitter because I'm working hard. I, I deserve a break, and I haven't been taking someone. I need somebody to recognize that. Do you see what sin does to us? How much sin messes us up? It takes something good, something very good and godly, resting, and makes us feel bad for doing it. And then sin takes something else really good, our work. God has given you work to, to image Him and to enjoy Him. And He makes us feel like, sin makes us feel like that's the only thing. My work is everything to me. 
Work is the way that I know I'm in control of my life. Work is what makes me feel good about myself. That's how messed up sin is. It takes something really good, resting, makes you feel bad for doing it, and it takes something else really good, your work, and makes it into everything. You know, I used to think showering was a waste of time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to explain that. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm locked into this productivity mode, you know, and I figure, I'm just standing there. This is like... 10 or 15 minutes out of every day, and I'm just standing there cleaning myself, surely there's more that can be done with this time. So I wrote out a bunch of uh, scriptures, put them in Ziploc bags and taped them up on the wall, and I memorized scripture, like chunks of scripture, while I was showering. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That That was fine. But I decided that wasn't enough. I used to brag about this, y'all. This used to be like a point of pride for me, and now I'm just like embarrassed to tell. I started doing calf raises in the shower. (laughs) So this is me, scrubbing. Therefore, if there's any comfort in Christ, any comfort in the Holy Spirit, to make my joy complete. I was so proud of myself, though, for being able to deodorize, exercise, and memorize at the same time. (laughs) I mean, isn't that messed up? Isn't there, like, something wrong with that? But I was so locked into doing more, being efficient. Um, You know, laziness is kind of the, the arch sin. I can't possibly get anywhere near laziness. I had to be doing something all the time. Do some email on the go. Uh, I read books while I was walking to class. Listen to sermons while I'm running. Learn a new language by tape in the car. Get up just an hour early on Saturday to do that house project. I couldn't rest. I couldn't even stay just doing one thing at a time. You think I was able to do the godly thing and stop and cease? No way. I had to be doing more, more, more. And the more I did, the better I felt about myself because I was getting a lot done. I thought maybe I was in control of my life. Resting is a really godly thing because God rests in Genesis 2. It's also a very human thing to do because sleeping, resting, putting your feet up, is a way of saying, I'm not in control of this. If you're the one in control, if the buck really stops with you in your life, you can never rest. You have to keep going. If it really is up to you, you don't deserve to rest ever. You're not doing enough right now. What are you doing just sitting there? (laughs) But if you can rest, that that is an act of faith. Resting is faith. Because you're saying, well, I'm not in control. Jesus, I'm going to take a break. Jesus, I need you to be in control of my life. See, when you can't trust the king by letting go of control in your life, it's because you think you have to be the king. If you're here this morning, just uh, maybe a friend just dragged you here, or maybe you're kind of not sure about the whole following Jesus thing. 
This is the offer of Jesus to you this morning. To rest. Believing on Jesus this morning would mean stop and rest in Him. Let Him be in control of your life. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, what an offer. You can step off the hamster wheel of your life and rest. And someone good and loving and powerful will be in control. If you, if you are a Christian this morning, I have an awesome way for us to be countercultural. I have a great way for us as Christians to witness to the way that the world does things wrong and sinfully, and we're going to be different. We will be countercultural by napping. We will refuse to do things the way the world does it. We will refuse to work unnecessary overtime. We will stop bragging that we didn't get much sleep because we were getting so much done. And we will start bragging, I did nothing all morning. Because God is enough. We will be countercultural and witness to the power and sufficiency of Jesus by goofing around with our friends and family instead of perfecting that latest project to death. Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, what a way to witness. Rest. Stop. Let other people know that you're not actually in control of your life. It's actually not all up to you at the end of the day. Sometimes the best way to trust our king is to take a nap. So, point one, God rests, kind of like putting his feet up. It's the way that he enjoys the work that he's done. Uh, Point two, we can't seem to rest because we can't let go of control in our lives. Point three, rest is also like taking a nap. I want to go a little further into that that image uh, as a way of exploring rest. I, I love naps. Unabashedly love to take naps. I took a nap yesterday. Uh, that's because the men's retreat was awesome and uh, very tiring. We broke no major laws, I promise. So I took a nap yesterday, and I'm going to take a nap today because I can. Um, I love naps. The way, the way I know I've had a really great nap is you get that light nap sweat. Mmm. Yeah. That is good stuff. I love it. I love knowing that I was like really zonked out because you get that, that light nap sweat going. What? I'm going to make a point with that, I promise. Why do we even have to sleep, though? Like, what is the point? Why did God make us this way? That we as humans cannot live, cannot function, unless we rest and sleep every day. I mean, you're not doing anything when you sleep. You're not helping anybody. You're not producing anything. You're not doing anything. You just lay there, immobile, useless, for one-third of your life. (laughs) Do you think maybe God wants to teach us something by that? That you have to stop and rest. I think of sleep as a forced Sabbath rest. God is saying, you have to rest. You have to admit that you're not in control of your life. 
for at least a little while. Uh, other, other forced rests. I feel like every time I get sick, it's basically a forced rest. Like I feel like God is basically saying, all right, take a break, champ. Like Watch a few documentaries. The world is not going to fall apart if you're not out on the scene today. And of course, I'm like, my eyes are bleary, huge temperature. I'm vomiting. I can do it. I can keep working. I'm okay. I'll make it. I'll just pop a few pills and keep working. And then finally, at some point, I give up, and I'm like, fine, I'll go to bed, I'll rest. Another great uh, force stop, remember the, uh, the ice storm of 2013? How awesome was that? <laughs> you know why it was awesome? You couldn't do anything. The city was shut down, you couldn't drive anywhere, nobody expected anything from you, everything was canceled, and you actually had permission to rest. It was totally guilt-free. You just have people over in your neighborhood. You eat. You rest. You eat. Put your feet up. Have a nice meal together. Take a nap. You just enjoyed everything. And it was awesome because it was totally guilt-free. You couldn't, you couldn't be doing anything else. The city shut down with ice. It was a forced stop, a forced rest. And what God wants you to know is it doesn't have to take an act of God for you to rest. You can just rest. How great that ice storm was, was just enjoying enjoying the food, enjoying the friends, taking it easy, taking a nap. You can do that. God rests. That means you can rest too. You know, one thing we take very, very seriously in this church is that the whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole story is leading toward Him. He is the goal of the Bible. He is the hero of the story. Um, He is the key. Nothing about the Bible would make sense if we didn't know about Jesus. Nothing. It's all about Him and summed up in Him. So what about, uh, what about rest? What about this idea of like Sabbath and putting up your feet and taking a nap? Does that have anything to do with Jesus? So glad you asked. It does. See, Jesus did a great, huge work. Just like Genesis 2, except Jesus did a new creation. When Jesus lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and was raised up again, he started a new creation. Jesus did the real work, y'all. Jesus did the work. And he finished it, right? I mean, Genesis 2, it says several times that God finished his work, and that's when he rested. So we're led to ask, Jesus did the work of salvation. Does Jesus rest? So glad you asked. Jesus does rest. What is Jesus doing right now? Like this moment, like right now, what is Jesus doing? Where is he? He is at God's right hand, and he is sitting with his feet up. Seriously. Jesus is sitting and resting with his feet up right now. Because he's done the work. It's finished. 
He's kicking back and seeing the fruit of his work as his people come to him. Think I'm making that up? Hebrews 1. Listen to this. After making purification for sins, that's the work. That's the work that that Jesus did, and it's finished. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having inherited a name more excellent than angels. For to which of the angels has God ever said, and this is God talking to Jesus after the work, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus rests. Jesus has his feet up enjoying the fruit of his work. And when he comes back and the work is really, really done and we're really saved and everything bad is gone, then he's really going to rest and put his feet up on every enemy, every bad thing. Jesus is going to use all the bad things as an ottoman so he can rest. Isn't that incredible? Jesus has done the work. Jesus is resting right now. That means you can rest. What is salvation except Jesus taking the things that he has earned and deserved and giving them to people who haven't earned them and don't deserve them? That's salvation, right? Well, Jesus has earned his rest. He has done all the work. He did it perfectly. And Jesus wants to take his rest and give it to you. That's why you can put your feet up when you get home. Because Jesus is doing the same thing. Jesus did the real work. The work you could never do for yourself, ever. You can run yourself into the ground. You will never be able to earn God's rest. But Jesus has. Jesus is resting right now with his feet up. He wants to break off a piece of that and give it to you. Doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you want that? You know, the Old Testament pattern was that you worked for six days and then you had the seventh day as a rest from all your work. Well, in the New Testament, it's actually... I said I wasn't going to talk about this. In the New Testament, it's actually Sunday, the first day of the week that we rest. But how do you rest if you haven't done anything yet? How do you rest at the beginning of the week? We're not resting from our own work during the week. We are resting in the work of someone else. We can rest to start. Because we're not just resting from our own labors. We're resting in the finished work of Jesus, who is resting right now. So, this is probably the greatest sermon application ever. Go home and obey God's word by taking a nap. Really, go home and rest. (laughs) Play around with no agenda and no timeline at all. You don't have to be doing anything. Because God has done everything. So, do nothing. Put your feet up. Get some rest. Play around. Take a nap. Enjoy yourself. Because sometimes the best way to trust our King is to take a nap. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord God, would you give us the freedom to rest? It really is hard. Um, It sounds so appealing. And then there's that tug of wanting to do more and feeling better about ourselves the more we do. And then we do rest. We feel terrible about it. We feel guilty and anxious. Lord, as as we go home today, we go out into our life, I pray that you would give us the freedom to rest. To rest in you. To appreciate that you are resting even now. And you want to give that gift to us. We pray these things not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is for us. Amen.